Hi, this is Alexander Wirth, the writer and narrator of Tales of Zendaria. Um, I just have a few announcements uh, prior to this week's chapter. Um, so firstly, I would like to draw your attention to uh, a podcast called The Bear Cave and Other Podcasts. Um, I was featured on that podcast and had an interview with Al, the, um, the main host of the podcast. It was a good time. Um, we had a good chat about uh, about writing processes and other authors, etc. And I recommend the rest of it as well. It's um, it's quite funny um, and uh, definitely worth your time. Uh, as I hope all of you have noticed, uh, we we have a new voice actor joining the cast uh, of Tales of Zendaria. I'd like to officially uh, lend a warm welcome to Mishkin Fitzgerald of Bird Eats Baby. Um, that is the name of her band. Uh, they are a punk cabaret, dark, kind of difficult to pigeonhole kind of band. Um, they're fantastic fun, effortlessly theatrical, very dramatic, um, fantastic musicians all around. Um, I saw them live many, many years ago, and I'm very excited to have Mishkin joining us um, as the voice of Phelan. And finally, I would like to wish an Alice Brown a very happy birthday. Um, she sent me a wonderful message today um, about Tales of Zendaria. And as it happens, as this chapter is going out, it is her birthday. So, Alice, happy birthday. of Zendaria. Chapter 10. The Hearing. April shook her head from side to side, rubbed her face, and stared Salanth in the eye. He was looming over her bunk bed with two rangers stood behind him. Did you hear me, princess? The king, he knows you're here, Salanth repeated. The words rang in April's head for a moment before reality was brought into sharp focus. Where is my daughter? King Quosteed's voice boomed down the cavernous hallways of the ranger's embassy, disturbing the peaceful green overtones. Bolthar stood in the corner, chain-smoking. One of the rangers accompanying Salanth turned to the dwarf and said, You really shouldn't smoke in here. Bolthar's eyes narrowed. He took a deep drag of his cigarette, jutted out his chin, and blew the lungful of smoke into the ranger's face. The ranger didn't move an inch, but suddenly Bolthar's cigarette went out. His eyes darted towards it just in time to watch one of his favorite things turn to sand and fall through his fingertips. The ranger smirked and stared up into Bolthar's eyes. The dwarf refused to break eye contact, unbuckled a pouch on his belt, and began rolling another one. "'What do we do? If he catches me, I'm done for, and Bolthar will be killed,' April said. Bolthar broke eye contact to look over. "'Hey, now, I don't die that bloody easily,' he spat. I'm not a sodding red cloak or something. We must enter the wall cavity. 
Come, gather your things, continued Salanth, ignoring Balthar's remarks. April threw some additional clothes on and stuffed her belongings into her backpack. Willow helped by watching her do it and not interrupting. Once she was ready, Salanth began walking out into the hallway with Balthar next to him, April and Willow just behind, and the two rangers bringing up the rear. Red cloaks? Salanth asked discreetly. Aye, the fresh privates in the Grandinian army. Silly buggers dress them in bright red and then wonder why so many of them die, Balthar rolled his eyes. Honestly, if you ever saw a Grandinian squadron, it was almost guaranteed the red cloaks wouldn't last the day. Of course, it doesn't help that their combat training seemed to consist mostly of standing still and getting shot. The group had arrived at a portion of wall that appeared to back onto the street. King Quoisteed's voice continued bellowing down the halls, only now they could hear the considerably more timid voice of Elder Samson attempting to placate him. Salanth placed his hand on one of the smooth black bricks of the wall, only to look up and unexpectedly lock eyes with the caretaker, who stood scowling at him. "'It's like you think I don't have better things to do,' he muttered. "'Sorry,' Salanth said, wincing before he again crumbled a brick into dust and a passageway opened up before them. The group hurried through the doorway until the grumblings of the caretaker could no longer be heard, and the bricks clunked back into place behind them. "'John, mightn't you—' Salanth gestured at the dark, cavernous space they had entered. "'Oh, sure.' Ranger John raised both arms and clicked his fingers. Suddenly a series of orange lamps began lighting along the walls. April could finally see where it was they had escaped to. The inner space of the building was small and circular, and the outer walls were a large square, so naturally there was a huge void between the two, and in that void they stood. Willow thought it smelled musty, like that time she accidentally buried her nose into the king's dirty linen basket. The other ranger, who had remained silent until now, began waving hand gestures at Salanth. Salanth rapidly gestured back, and the silent ranger strolled away. "'Where's he going?' April asked. "'He'll be back shortly,' Salanth replied. "'Let's go downstairs. There's something I've yet to show you.' Ranger John led the way down the nearby staircase, taking care to light the lamps ahead as he went by, absent-mindedly clicking his fingers. The walls and floors were pitch black and glistened as the group walked down the stairs and along another passageway. The corridor opened up into a large triangular room with rows of plush chairs in front of a single pane of rounded glass. There were no lamps in this room. Wow, April stared through the window. There was another large circular room with a circular platform in the center, rows of chairs surrounding it rising up to the ceiling, and a dark wooden lectern for a judge to stand behind. The preliminary hearing will begin soon. This glass is mirrored, and so the king will not be able to see us, but we will see him. With any luck, Elder Samson will place so many restrictions on King Quosteed he won't be able to so much as urinate without a ranger escort. Salanth cracked his knuckles as he spoke. I'd like to be able to go back to my pub without fear of beheading, that's for sure, Balthar replied. And what will I do? Even if he's restricted while the investigation proceeds, I can't exactly go home and live with him, April asked. That'll be Elder Sampson's decision, John interjected. You're a princess, but you're still not legally an adult, though I doubt he'll send you back with the king. April shifted where she stood, realizing that she once more had no control over her future. Officials and nobles began to filter into the circular room and take their seats. A hearing for a monarch was not something to be missed, and would surely be the talk of social occasions for the next year. Many of them wore elaborate coloured robes which indicated status, 
though April noted that some of the most powerful family heads wore plain black. She recalled her father telling her that real power never had to be seen. It could simply be felt when it enters a room. The silent ranger returned to the room holding a three-tiered tray which held various grains, breads, and cheeses. He laid the tray across a few vacant seats and gestured for the group to dig in. He walked towards Willow, unbuckling a pouch on his belt, and pulled out a string of cooked sausages. He raised his other hand into a cone shape and stared expectantly. Willow instantly sat and licked her lips, tail wagging excitedly. The ranger smiled and gently laid the sausages on the ground, and Willow laid down in front of them, nose pressed up against the first link. She eyed April, waiting for the first bite. The princess had picked a slice of toasted dwarven bread with some cheese, smiled at Willow, and took a bite. Within a few seconds, the sausages were half inhaled, and Willow was happily rolling around on the floor like an alidile catching its prey. The rest of the group sat and restlessly ate their breakfast, unable to focus on it. As they finished up breakfast with a pot of tea, the circular room had filled and was positively bristling with anticipation. After a few minutes, Elder Sampson walked from the main entrance of the building into the circular chamber and stood behind the lectern. The room fell silent. We are gathered today for a preliminary hearing of the investigation of King Handel Coyosteed, ruling monarch of the country of Zendaria. The council extends its thanks to all in attendance, particularly when considering the haste with which you have come here today. Samson's eyes rolled over the audience, sat around and above him. Your opinions on today's hearing will, as ever, be noted during the forthcoming investigation. He stared towards the large double doors, which were the only entrance to the room. Bring King Quirsteed forth. Footsteps echoed in the chamber as the king strode into the room, head held high. He made his way to the center of the circular platform and stood resolute, staring the elder in the eye. He appeared to glow and vibrate, his beard and hair radiating in every fold of clothing quietly waiting in anticipation. His eyes pierced like the most keen of daggers. King Handel Finzer Quirsteed, you stand accused of conspiring to break multiple peace treaties, using dark forbidden magics, and manipulating the will of your people with said magics. As this is a preliminary hearing, you are not required to enter a plea. I am not guilty, the king shouted. These accusations are false and have no basis in fact. It is conjecture and hearsay from a group of housewives and meddlers. Elder Samson banged a gavel on the lectern once, in a precise motion. The clack of the wood on wood rang in the ears of every person in attendance as though they were inside the lectern itself. King Quosteed blinked. You are not required to enter a plea onto record, but you must answer any questions directed at you by the council. Due to the time-sensitive nature of this hearing, the full council could not be summoned, and thus I shall be acting as advocate for all elders who are not present today. Elder Samson met the king's stare. As a result of this hearing, you may be subjected to restrictions both personal and governmental, and a failure to follow these restrictions may result in imprisonment or death. Do you understand these consequences as I have read them? I do, the king scowled. April watched from behind the mirrored glass, stunned at the sheer ferocity of her father's presence. She hadn't seen this side of him before. Excellent, Elder Samson continued. You have been subject to an investigation of your practices both in magical and military terms. We will deal with the military issues first. He rifled through some papers on the lectern. 
Your forces are currently placed at key invasion points at every bordering country to Zendaria. There is even rumor of an expedition to Little Rock, for which I very much doubt you would receive the consent of the Grandinian Queen. Training exercises, the king replied instantly. Training exercises? Elder Sampson arched an eyebrow. Indeed. The soldiers placed at the borders are defensive in nature and are merely acting out how we would respond to an invasion. We must, of course, keep our troops ready, regardless of the strength of our foreign affairs, the king smirked. And you're training every soldier at every border point at the same time? The elder raised his chin at King Quosteed. How better to strengthen our army than to stretch it to its fullest, the king responded smoothly. Our allies should not feel threatened. We are barely half equipped for an invasion force at any of these border points. Which I'm quite sure is why none of the surrounding countries have mounted a counterforce against you. Yet. Samson paced around the lectern and came to stand several feet away from the king, facing him. But our lead investigator believes your power to be far greater than you've presented. He himself has faced the dark magics lurking within Zendaria. And where is your evidence? the king demanded. The first-hand account of a trusted ranger is evidence enough, King Quosteed. This is a preliminary hearing, and the investigation is ongoing, so I'm sure there will be more in due time, Samson retorted. Your trusted ranger is a liar and a blackguard. He came into my home under false pretenses, destroyed my daughter's possessions, and dropped her from the roof, the king gritted his teeth. That is tantamount to treasonous acts in any kingdom. Samson's eyes widened a fraction, barely enough to be seen by the audience, but King Quosteed knew he had taken the old goat by surprise. These are serious allegations, King Quosteed, but if there is any merit to them, we will investigate. I ask that you provide details of this directly after the hearing so we can move forward. The elder attempted to wrestle the hearing back towards the king's misdeeds. But it's not even true, April shouted from behind the glass. Technically, it is, Salanth replied. Regardless of the reason, I did destroy your wooden sword, and I did encourage your leaping from the roof. He looked down. I thought you lot were supposed to be paragons of reason and peace, Bolthar asked. Yes, well, learning aeromancy requires some visceral lessons, Salanth shifted in his seat. King Quosteed's eyes were dark, but his mouth contorted into a slight smile. I demand Ranger Salanth be removed as lead investigator and stripped of his Ranger status until an investigation has concluded, he shouted. Under paragraph 14, section B3 of the Ranger's Handbook, it is written that no Ranger can investigate, assault, or instigate violence against a person, county, principality, or country who hold an active investigation against them. Elder Samson's eyes flashed, and this time the audience saw it. He stood stock still, inhaled deeply, and slowly exhaled. Well observed, he conceded. It would be hypocritical for the Rangers' Council not to abide by our own rules, particularly in circumstances such as these. I will remove Ranger Salanth as investigator for the pending case against you. I see no reason, however, to strip him of Ranger status. How about the fact that not only did he attempt to murder my daughter, but he's here with her at this very moment, the king bellowed. The audience gasped in almost comically theatrical style. He has dragged her across the country along with my former squadron mate. 
Princess April is a victim of kidnapping because of these two heinous criminals. Now, King Quosteed, you cannot level unsubstantiated accusations of this nature against the Ranger's Council at our own hearings. Furthermore, as I have already told you, your daughter and Ranger Salanth are not here, and neither is Balthar of Landreth. Samson raised his voice for the first time. An eerie coolness fell over the room and dropped through the floor. The king began to vibrate more, and his skin started to glow slightly. He glared at the mirrored glass pane below and to his right. April and Salanth instinctively stood and moved towards the glass, staring into the king's eyes. Within a fraction of a second, King Quosteed had burst through the glass and into Ranger John. Mirrored shards flew into the room, and the shockwave of the king's sheer speed knocked everyone backwards. John laid on the floor on his front, and April's father stood with one foot on the ranger's back, eyeing up the group. "'April!' he shouted. "'Come home, now! Your mother wouldn't have wanted this!' April's eyes welled slightly. "'She wouldn't have wanted war, either!' April yelled back. "'She wouldn't have wanted dark magics, or fighting, or Shia trying to assassinate me!' Now, let me explain. The king took a step towards April, and as he did so, Salanth, Balthar, and the silent ranger entered a fighting stance. Even Willow was baring her teeth slightly. Not a step closer, Balthar ordered. Oh, the king grinned. And you're to stop me? Come, Balthar, you couldn't defeat me in your best days, let alone after a decade of running a tavern. I couldn't stop you alone, true. But with three rangers on my side, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Balthar waved a hand axe in the air. Two rangers. The king leaned his weight into Ranger John, who was underneath the king's left foot. Actually, Ranger John croaked. In one swift motion, he twisted his legs up into the air behind him, and using the momentum, slammed his boots into the king's upper back. King Quosteed's enormous frame was knocked forwards by two paces, which was enough for John to move. The king brought his fist crashing backwards towards John's head. In response, the ranger reduced the floor underneath the king's right foot to sand, sinking him into it and forcing the punch to narrowly miss. Balthar leapt forward, waving his axe, and the silent ranger telemanced himself into mid-air above the king's head, landing a spinning kick across his jaw. Salanth grabbed Balthar by the chest. Wait! You must escape! Take April and Willow and get them out of here. Protect them at all costs! Salanth watched John and the silent ranger sparring with King Quosteed. This will not last long, and he must not take the princess back. Uh, Balthar faltered. Right. You're right. Damn it! He ached to fight the king, but once more would have his opportunity denied. At least he could protect someone he cared about. April, let's go! The princess stood motionless and in shock. Oh, gods! Balthar heaved her over his shoulder along with their bags and ran for the space where the glass pane once was, Willow skittering alongside. The king steamed forward in rapid motion from where he had been stuck and lunged at Balthar. He was met with a fistful of flame and was sent careening backward as Salanth blocked the way. He quickly formed a gigantic wall of fire and surrounded the rangers and the king with it to form a ring. "'You will not have her,' Salanth insisted." Balthar leapt through the empty window and into the circular chamber. The last of the audience members were rushing to the exit, and Elder Samson stood exactly where he had before King Quosteed leapt through the glass. Balthar tore through the doors of the chamber, past the white marble entrance hall, and out onto the steps of the ranger's embassy's main entrance. He spotted the royal carriage, Goldsteed's, and ran towards it, pounding down the steps. 
Willow leapt them a few at a time, and April was shaken up and down over Balthar's shoulder. As they reached the carriage, a group of royal guardsmen appeared, armed and ready to fight. Suddenly, in rapid succession, they each doubled over, coughing up small pools of their own blood and crumbling to the floor. Phelan emerged from behind the large golden carriage, cleaning off a pair of daggers. You took your time, she smirked. What in God's names brought you here? Balthar asked, placing April back on the ground. She staggered but quickly regained her balance. Thought I wouldn't notice you charging my Zivex account, did you? Stingy bastard. Phelan strolled up to Balthar and delved her hand into his inside jacket pocket. She produced a small wad of notes. Consider this payment with interest. She thought for a moment. Oh, and maybe a thanks for taking care of this group of armoured idiots. Her hand again wandered into Balthar's jacket pocket and pulled out another note. It's a pleasure doing business, the dwarf proclaimed. Can you lead these things? He pointed to the gold steeds. Why would I want to do that? Phelan's face turned to a scowl. As she finished her sentence, a great crash came from the direction of the ranger's embassy, and Salanth was sent tumbling down the white steps in front of the group. He was badly beaten and barely conscious. Salanth! April cried. At the top of the steps, King Quosteed stood firm and stared down Balthar and Phelan. Ah, that's why. She hopped up onto the jockey's podium and quickly grabbed the reins to the gold steeds. Well, get in, she shouted. Balthar quickly lifted Salanth and hurled him into the carriage as Willow and April clambered inside. Go! the dwarf yelled. He clung to the side of the carriage facing the king and fired a small rotating multi-shot crossbow in the direction of his former comrade. Yeah! Phelan clicked her heels on the podium and the gold steeds burst into an immediate gallop down the streets of Zendar. Where are we going? I need to steer this thing somewhere. She shouted. Anywhere but here! Balthar replied, still firing bolts behind him. All right, we're going to the Umbra then, Phelan decided. Oh, really? 